Welcome to the Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life Show. Your host, Carol Dixon Carr, is an educator of and a participant in many eclectic subjects, and she loves it that way. Each week, she'll bring you episodes and stories on how you can navigate those multiple passions while managing your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional energy in your life as a whole. So here's Carol. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. We're in episode three, and we're talking about energy, well-being, and autopilot thoughts. So I really want to start off with the fact that it's interesting that people think I'm this energizer bunny and that I'm always like that. Yeah, sure. I often talk about the four domains of energy, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual, but let's be real. I am not the energizer bunny 24-7. That's not sustainable for a human. I'm just a mere mortal, obviously. (laughs) So with that in mind, let me tell you how I ended 2021. It's such an anticlimactic ending. (laughs) So I recognize that uh, 2020 was definitely challenging for a lot of reasons, and they are wide and varied. And I recognize also that I was fortunate because I stayed healthy and employed with multiple streams of income the whole time. And I do not take that for granted at all. And I have a whole lot of compassion for people who are still looking for work. I also have every faith that at some point you will be gainfully employed in a dream job or dream business career of epic proportions. (laughs) But I wrote about that gratitude, the fact that I don't take any of this for granted in my journal every pretty much daily. But I also struggled a lot. I would get into really deep funks about things, even as I knew my life was perfectly fine. I had a lot to be grateful for. But sometimes, because, you know, as an empath, it's you forget sometimes to take time to discern what of that energy was mine and what of that energy was other people's. And so I'm sure all you empaths listening in the house, I know you get it. And hopefully you're hopefully mindful of those types of things and can manage it. Just kind of pause. Is that my energy or is that somebody else's? So anyway, once the semester wrapped up a month ago, a month and a half ago, I had turned in my last grade to the registrar. I thought, okay, now I can work on that career course that I have content in but needs to be organized. But my brain was like, nope. You know what you're going to do? You're just going to sit on the couch and stream shows. I did that for a week thinking... All right, next week I'll dive into that content creation for that course. Next week came, and my body's like, nope. You're still going to just binge watch Netflix and Hulu and Apple TV and whatever. (laughs) Two weeks. I did that for the last two weeks of 2020. I was done with doing anything. Well, the fall semester was such a hot mess for so many reasons that I won't get into. But anyway... I think what I was exactly supposed to do was rest for two for two weeks. Even though I know I still had on the on the books that I was teaching Pop Pilates on Monday and Dance Fitness on Fridays at the time. I still am. But I should add at the time I went to the gym mentally kicking and screaming. I really did not want to move. Even though I knew once I moved I'd feel better and I always do. 
So even as I say, for the sake of your mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual energy, that moving is a good thing to include in our rituals, sometimes we just need rest. Actually, every day we need rest, but sometimes we need a whole lot of rest. And if you have time to get a whole lot of rest, I say do it. I really didn't feel guilty about it. I confess the sins, but you know, the people that I hang with are like, yeah, you, you do a lot, so you deserve that time off. So that's my blurb regarding my recent reality. So let me go ahead and wrap up that story from the last episode so I can get into other things that are more current. <sighs> so the motivation behind trying to be vulnerable and visible for the, I mean, I really hid for the longest because I had a real real visceral effect to the thought of being rejected and ridiculed and judged but i'm sure that's happening behind my back anyway so just carol just do you and it's all good and i had mentioned in the last episode that i went into another really deep depression in 2009 partially partially only partially because the rest the recession hit and so things started drying up financially pretty quickly but there were other things going on as well oh guys (laughs) and maybe it won't be that bad but I'm just thinking y'all might want to take a sip of water every time I say abandonment or abandonment issues take a sip of water or decaf tea not alcohol because you'd probably be drunk (laughs) who knows we'll see how this goes you don't want to do caffeine either you might be super hyper after this so we'll just see water you'll get really hydrated I think in a good way so picking up where I left off from episode two Why did I go into the gutter of my sadness again? Why did my brain glitch? I don't know. I have some ideas. Psychology Today and WebMD definitely have a plethora of reasons. But since I'm not a psychologist or a doctor, I'll just speak on experience and keep it there. But my brain does do that glitching thing where those autopilot thoughts kick in that aren't productive, especially when I get triggered. And especially if I'm like, constantly being triggered and 2009 was just every day trigger 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 nowadays when I get triggered it doesn't take months to get out of it It doesn't even take me a week it might take me a few hours of sleeping it off or if the trigger is pretty heavy maybe it takes a day but yeah I don't suffer in silence anymore because I used to be a queen of that whenever I'm suffering now I reach out I used to It's so hard when you're feeling anxious and depressed to reach out. I totally get that, but it's a good idea to find somebody. Even And there are resources out there that you can reach out to if you feel like you're legitimately all alone. I'll put it in the show notes. I know when these things pop up, when my brain does this really unproductive thing. I can actually journal about it if I feel like I have no one to talk to, which was true a lot of the time back in the early to mid-2000s. I can also move. I can talk to my tribe and mentors these days, and it's really fabulous to have that outlet so I'm not feeling like I'm on the ledge all the time needing to be talked off. So getting back to where I left off. I keep saying I'm getting back to where I left off, and then I go into a tangent like your typical multi-passionate person does. So... I promise we're getting back to 2009. So I said back then, it was like June 2009, okay, I'll take a week off from marketing and that should give me a decent break. 
this is different from when I recently took two weeks off in 2020, just so we're clear. I said, you know what? This was back in 2000, 2009. I really, I don't want to write another blog post. I don't want to send another email sequence. I don't want to give another teleclass, as they called them back in the day, teleclasses on a bridge line. I just want to serve the clients that I have. And I really don't want to do anything else. And I was also teaching econ at the same time, too. It's all supplemental. It was really odd, though, because I think it was mainly because there were things happening all around me that was just hard to observe. We were in a recession. And I, back then, I didn't know how to make that distinction between my energy and others back then. So there's that. Plus, I had my own personal stuff going on at the same time. And it's really interesting because I really felt like it was a rise and fall of Carol. I mean, I was so excited. Back in April of 2009, I had landed my first 1000 a month client, which to some people might not be a big deal at all, but it was a really big deal to me because at the time I was also surrounded by people who were doing a whole lot better financially than I was. But to me, that was a big win. But then things started to fall away not even two months after that. I mean, events just kept happening. Clients were disappearing. They just weren't showing up to the calls without even an email or an explanation. The, the teleclass enrollments were dropping. The joint venture partnerships that I thought were going to happen were falling apart due to a series of personal tragedies, not just in my life, but in theirs. I mean, everybody seemed to be having some kind of personal tragedy, not just me. People were dying and being deployed and it was just, it was crazy. My transcriptionist ghosted me in the middle of a project that I was working on with like five other people. And the people I was supposed to be teaming up with for another project, well, it was hard for us to even brainstorm and collaborate. And we were all naturally creative people, but we just couldn't get it together. And at the same time, those tenants, the tenants that I had in that uh, house that I was kind of working on on my own, I had moved to Dallas by then. The, the property is in Florida, but I had since moved to Dallas in 2007. The tenants broke their lease and left the place in such a disarray that it took me $5,000 to remedy. And I'm like, oh man, here we go again. Dealing with this rental property all by myself. I didn't really even like the management company. And yeah, it happened to a lot of people around me. And my self-esteem took a huge nosedive because Take a sip of water. Here comes the childhood abandonment issues being triggered. It's like, where's everybody going? I, nobody wants to play with me. I'm going to go eat worms. I mean, it was just you know, drama. The internal drama in my head was epic. And I also didn't trust my intuition anymore, which for me was a real big loss to me. I had always prided myself in having stellar intuition. I still pride myself on it. So, if you know intuition is part of your identity, a big part of your identity, and then you don't trust it anymore, that can really rock your world. Well, it, it rocked me in a big way. So, I didn't trust anything I did. I second-guessed everything, and it was just, it was a drag. I mean, when, even when I was teaching, which is a superpower of mine, even making PowerPoint slides, oh, is this, I mean, I second-guessed everything. 
And at the same time, I had been in this mastermind I had joined back in uh, the summer of 2008, where I was surrounded by these amazing, amazingly successful people. Because I remember Jim Rohn had said, or maybe Brian Tracy, or I don't know, somebody in that realm had said, you need to be around five people who are more successful than you, just so you can rise up to that level. I'm paraphrasing, but I think if you've been in the professional development or personal development world, you know what I'm talking about. So that's what I was trying to do. I was in this mastermind trying to follow the quote, more successful than me people and see what they were doing. After all, they were doing high six figures. Some were doing seven figures, even high seven figures. And here I was really trying to have a sustainable low six figure or let's be honest, a high five figure business. That would have been cool with me. Perfectly fine. I don't have a huge materialistic bent and there's nothing wrong with being materialistic. I just don't happen to be. Anyway, I just wasn't in alignment with those strategies that were offered at those those retreats that I went to with these very successful people, with the very successful mentor, not because they were bad strategies, because for others, it worked for them. They didn't work for me because my subconscious just didn't play that. Something in there needed to be healed. I tried this, I kept trying those same strategies that worked for other people, and it just wasn't working for me. I did not blame the mentor. I knew something was going on with me. I knew that some mindset stuff needed to be worked on that I just haven't worked on. And it's so sub- it was so deeply rooted in my subconscious. I wasn't even sure what that was. And so it was super frustrating, especially since it was working really well for those people who had the right level of awareness and mindset. Their mindset was aligned. Mine was not. It worked well for them. I can definitely laugh about it now. But back then I was like, what am I doing wrong? I thought I was doing exactly what he said to do. Because I know, even back then, even with my self-esteem in the gutter about a lot of things, I knew what I had to offer was good. And the people that I was serving, I was delivering. I was often over-delivering. I know how to do that. But the traditional marketing was always kind of a challenge to me. So when I was at that last mastermind, in the, like a year later, summer of 2009, with all those movers and shakers, If you've been in the internet marketing and coaching world for the past 15 plus years, you would know these people by name. One of them I remember saying, Carol, you really need some deep energy work. She really had me curious too. But when I got back, when I went home, got back on the plane, and I was just kind of thinking about the whole trip and the whole mastermind experience, I felt deeply, deeply inferior. I mean, I had a massive, massive inferiority complex. I'm like, these guys are so awesome. I don't even, I don't even belong in this thing. I'm going to just drop out, which I did. None of those people at that mastermind wanted to JV with me. And maybe because I wasn't at their level. I did. I took it personally then, but I'm pretty sure watching them make those side partnerships had more to do with me feeling left out and take a sip, abandonment issues. (laughs) It really did hurt my feelings, but I know that none of these, none of these people had ill intentions towards me. And now, nowadays I know that comparison is the thief of joy. Whew. It really is. Remember that comparison is the thief of joy. It is a good mantra. But when I got back from that trip back then, I said, whew, yeah, definitely take a break from my business. 
I really need to figure out what's go what is going on with me. But also remember that the economy was falling apart at the same time. You know, real estate bubble breaking, all the insurance scandal, the credit markets, a lot of things were going on. I hated teaching that in economics too because I would be even triggered up there on the podium talking about it. And I just thought it was sarcastically hilarious and ironic that I wasn't doing anything with productivity. And productivity was the big umbrella of my coaching back then. <laughs> Yikes. So I felt super out of integrity. I felt like a big hypocrite. I'm like, I can't possibly have a business. And since that one client had ghosted me anyway, I'm like, you know what? Just wrap it up because I really, I, integrity is a value of mine. And if I'm out of it, that does not feel good. And I had very heavy energy around trying to use those traditional productivity and those time management methods that say, here's how you get her done. And I don't even mean the kind of like grind energy that I was talking about a couple of episodes ago that I hate, but just the basic traditional things that the experts back then told you to do to get things done. And they really didn't talk about meditation. They didn't really talk about energy work. They didn't really talk about the stuff that many people consider woo-woo. And let me shout out to Karen Kenny. She had an episode that says, do not apologize for the woo. So I will not apologize for the woo. It works for me. You could think it's hooey, that's okay. My family thinks it's hooey, the people I live with, it's okay. But I was already familiar with EFT, that's emotional freedom techniques. I found that back in 2006 before I moved to Texas. It's where you're tapping on meridian points. It was very helpful to move energy. Gary Craig was the one who hipped me to those techniques. So thank you, Gary. I also found myself learning more about the law of attraction that year. You might think that's hooey too. That's okay. I, I do believe in quantum physics and that's a whole nother episode. I think there is some science to that, but I am not a pure law of attraction person. And I have to admit that the movie, The Secret kind of annoyed me for a number of reasons that I won't get into, <laughs> but I digress. I could really do a whole episode on all the non-traditional energy modalities I've used, eidetic imagery, things like that, but I will save that for another time. My point is that those non-traditional modalities were among some of the big saving graces for me so I could survive and function on this planet. And I have to also mention, I, I am a highly creative person, but I'm also a very rational, logical, and analytical person. I do have a graduate degree in economics. <laughs> I teach economics at a university. That job I've actually kept since 2007. Remember I told you I was really restless up until that point because I have so much autonomy and I get to teach teaching as a superpower. So I don't want to quit that job, but I still want to do the other things too. That's the multi-passionate way. And it grounds me. Teaching economics grounds me. So the whole point of me saying that is though, even though I'm creative, my left brain tendencies made me a slow learner with respect to those non-traditional modalities. There was this inkling, yay, intuition coming back. This inkling that said, Carol, just keep trying. You always feel a little bit better whenever you do these things. And it did eventually catch on. Some things did shift in my brain psyche. Whew. And I mentioned this in the previous episode. Without fail, music. Music in any capacity. All the time. But especially during that dark period. 
in particular listening to it, singing it, dancing to it. Yeah, I can't, I still can't imagine my life without it. And honestly, I can't remember a time when I wasn't doing some element of performance art before the pandemic hit. Though, remember I mentioned last episode that I got pulled in to doing that very important Martin Luther King show that happened just six days ago, as I'm recording, on Saturday the 23rd. That event was really important to me, so that's part of the reason why I did it, not just because of the art, the artistry, which was brilliant as well. The director was awesome. But I kept, I kept up the musical pursuits with more fervor back then, 2009, because it really did make me feel good. And those Law of Attraction coaches kept saying, you have to do things that make you feel good. You need to raise your vibration. Even if you're just only feeling a little bit better, it can make a difference. You don't have to be in that land of euphoria to make a difference. So that's what I did. And the choir at the time was my saving grace. I remember we had a choir choir retreat. This is like October 2009. One of the gals in in our session said, Carol, you're always so cheerful and happy. (laughs) That's hilarious. I laughed inside because I was still feeling rock bottom and emotionally dead at the time, except for when I was at choir rehearsal. Very good at putting on a brave face too. But yeah, in that moment, I was feeling joy because in choir rehearsal, you're going to see me yucking it up and being silly or being serious when the director is telling us to, you know, be quiet and listen to him and learn the parts. But when I was alone with my thoughts, it was not always pretty. Pretty little liars, maybe... But yeah, we really need to remember what's actually true when we go down that rabbit hole of unfavorable speculation. If we're going to speculate, let's speculate for the good if we're going to speculate. But I always speculated unfavorably, assumed the worst. That is such an unproductive way to go. So during that journey, I was super aware, definitely more aware that my thoughts actually do generate my feelings. And those feelings that aren't necessarily facts generate my action or inaction. So here's a reminder to myself. Maybe it'll help you too. You might already do this, but we really need to pay attention to those thoughts and consciously stop ruminating when we catch ourselves. When we feel some type of way, we sometimes don't want to do anything. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it could be that our bodies are just telling us to rest and... We might get some really cool ideas that would ultimately drive our actions in a way that really serves us. But I also know it's super, super easy to get distracted when we have this eclectic list of passions that we do. But either way, we should, I don't like the word should. Let's, let's tune in and not judge it if it turns out that what we're doing turns out to look like something that's self-sabotaging. I would just notice it. A lot of our thoughts tend to be on autopilot, so if we are conscious of the ones that really don't serve you, perhaps we could try a pattern interrupt and say something like, well, that's interesting that I thought that, unproductive thought. Is it true or did I just make a mistake and can I learn from it? Is this some old programming that I just need to work on? Something like that. And let's definitely give ourselves a hug, and a pat on the back when we notice the thoughts that prove how amazing we all truly are. We are all amazing. Yeah.
I think this is a good place to stop. So, as I always say, remember to always enjoy your journey because you will learn things along the way every time. Take care, everybody, and see you next time. Thank you for listening to Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life with Carol Dixon Carr. Be sure to check out her free resources in the show notes. And if any of her words resonate with you, feel free to subscribe and leave a favorable review. Until next time.